This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, greetings. You're on Deep Background for June 21st, 2017. Dave Helling with the editorial board of the Kansas City Star, joined today by Glenn Rice, reporter extraordinaire for the Star, smelling a little bit of smoke from yesterday's coverage of the fire <laughs> down on Southwest Boulevard. That's not what we're going to talk about today, though. Glenn, of course, covers the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department for us and has a good sense of what's going on down there in a department with a lot of challenges mm-hmm. and a lot of changes coming, yes. Glenn. Yes. Let's start at the beginning. I don't think we've ever talked really about uh, uh, the legacy of Chief Forte. T- tell us what uh, – do we have a sense now after he's gone – what he meant to the department and what his time as chief will mean for the department going forward. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah. The uh, Forte w- had been with the department for 31 years, started off as a patrolman and then worked his way up to become deputy chief and then later appointed chief uh, about six years ago. Six years is a pretty long for a person to serve as police chief. It's normally four, maybe five years. Uh, Jim Curran, uh, who Forte uh, succeeded, as well as Clarence Kelly, each served seven years in that capacity. What Forte did was during his whole tenure was uh, ex- uh, observe what was going on within the department, some of the challenges that the department faced internally as well as externally. And when he was in a position to make some changes, that's what he did. He instituted a lot of new programs. He uh, uh, did hotspot policing, which kind of concentrated getting patrol officers, getting commanders from the buildings of, of police headquarters onto the streets, getting them to respond to uh, emergency calls, and really uh, having a very high visible public face of the department within the city. Uh, Forte is a social media maven, was always right. on Twitter and Facebook and uh, really extolling uh, the work of police officers, the rank and file, and well, they really liked that. Was he seen as a success? I mean, well, do we expect the new chief, Glenn, to to follow in his footsteps in that way, or, or are they looking for someone with a, a different approach, do you think? There are some things in which I, I know the new chief will likely adopt, things that he's that Forte did, diversity, uh, putting officers' well-being, uh, psychological and physical well-being, on the forefront. That's what some of the things that uh, that Forte did, just kind of reexamining just how the department did things. Uh, I think, depending on uh, who is in those seats as police board commissioners— Which we'll talk about here in a minute. <laughs> they will determine who's going to be next. Right. It's very unlikely that they'll pick someone from the outside, but they may throw us a curveball and select someone. There are a couple of deputy chiefs I know of who have expressed an interest in, in uh, serving that capacity, as well as some majors uh, who've been there for quite some time. They want to serve as chief as well, both right, male and, and female. And we have an interim chief, right? We have interim chief uh, David Zimmerman, right, who has right. been there for quite some but time. But uh, it's interesting to me you said the board might consider an outsider. That's very rare for the Kansas City Police Department to reach outside the ranks. Do you think that's possible? It's very possible, considering that who may be on the board at the time that this election is made, uh, their goal is to have 
have it done by August. So they're moving pretty swiftly. I believe this week or not past week, they were going to meet with the executive search firm to weed out uh, the applicants and kind of narrow the, uh, their their focus into right. only a handful of candidates. Now, we should be clear, we'll come back to this too, but we should be clear that the board itself is in some flux because yes. The, Al Brooks has left. Mm-hmm. Two other members whose terms have expired are yes. still serving pending their uh, appointment of replacements. Um, but how, how, in your view, would – let's go back to the search for a chief. Regardless of who does the picking, how would the department react to an outsider coming <coughs> into be, to being the chief? I mean, my own experience is that the police department isn't very trustful of outsiders at all, and you get the sense that they might not – they might not react well. Uh, I think that uh, the department is a creature of habit. So having someone from outside would be very difficult. It would be another sea change, if you will. I think it will be uh, – I think it's a wait and see. It's very unlikely that that would happen because you would have a have a, a firm – unless it's someone very uh, dramatic and, and, and unusual outside candidate. So, so – uh, uh, so I think they'll be receptive towards anybody who would be in that position. I think uh, I, I haven't heard any rumblings of who they do not want. Right. Uh, but there's some. We haven't heard any outside names at all. None whatsoever. Other than unless you consider uh, Mike Sharp, the uh, sheriff, the sheriff of Jackson County, who was a, uh, a police officer at one point, uh, his been very vocal about wanting to lead the department. So that, in that sense, probably, I think his and time... how would the rank and file react to a guy like Mike Sharp? I mean, that would be an interesting... I mean, don't they tend to favor guys who like Daryl Forte, who came up through the yeah, ranks all yeah. the time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would... I have to... I would have to figure out why Sharp left, what he did while he was there. Right, right. That has a lot to do with it. If he's only there for a short time, then uh, no... Uh, you know, if he, you know, uh, do, let me ask it another way. Do you think the police department needs to have the input of fresh eyes on its? Of challenges? course, yes. With 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 without a doubt. Rather it, than promoting from within. Yeah, because if you're there for too long, sometimes, uh, you know, you don't see. It is see, a place of habit. Yeah, there's no yeah, question very, about that. very very much so. And there's some things that are just ingrained into the system, uh, if you will. So, I mean, even. Forte had some resistance in how he chose to promote and who he that chose to promote. It was very clear that some members of the department weren't happy with his He got sued. At all. Yeah. <laughs> he was sued. Yeah. And, so, and, and prevailed in that lawsuit. Right. And I think that there, I mean, let's just be blunt, there remains a racial uh, challenge within the Kansas City Police Department. A significant one. I mean, people don't get that, but that's been as a part of the police department as long as I've been in Kansas City, that there's that sort of tension between African-American officers and others. Yeah, and to be a black officer in the department is a challenge all within itself. Uh, it's how, you portray, how you're viewed and portrayed in the African-American uh, community as well as the community in large. Uh, the system that Forte wanted to place was that he saw that blacks, in particular minorities and women, didn't their tenure with the department was not very long. So he wanted to try to create some systems, some support systems that would kind of help them sustain uh, some longevity there, so they can advance. So that's all. That's one way he felt that change would happen. Uh, you only have a handful of African Americans there. I want to say less than 200 out of a force of about 1,300. 
what happened when Forte was part of a generation of officers that rose up through the ranks. Black officers became commanders, deputy chiefs. And what happened, just like uh, Forte, they advanced in age and they retired. You had at least three uh, had would have African-American males who have retired in the past six months. Uh, Randy Huntley, who was a deputy chief, is now over at the KCATA or KC Rye. Randy Hopkins uh, was a deputy chief, is now at, uni- at Rockers University. Floyd Mitchell was a major, uh, was prone to become a deputy chief uh, eventually, is now a police chief in Arizona. Uh, you know, there are some others who have retired as well, maybe those who will have less of a lower profile, but a lot of them have left. So, Okay, let's talk a little bit about the um, uh, police board itself. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that a little bit earlier, Glenn, about the idea that they've got some vacancies or some weirdness. The governor appointed some people, pulled it back. Um, it, it, has that been a real uh, pebble in the shoe of the police board? Uh, not only in the search for the chief, but the other things that come up in terms of crime and other things that they're concerned with? Yes, because uh, with the board itself, uh, even the selection of a chief, that means what do you do? I mean, uh, I'm thinking that it's it's work as normal. You know, nothing's going to change. They'll still look at the candidates, uh, but what happens after... Uh, the session is over, uh, and the governor reappoints him because that's what he had planned on doing. He yeah, the, 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 but the police board, in my experience, is is very much a creature of um, uh, relationships, discussion, uh, understanding. You, it, there's a pretty steep learning curve and how the department works. And I know there have been some concerns that replacing two members, actually three. Yeah in the middle of the police chief search is a problem. But more broadly, when you have that kind of turnover, it's going to take them a little while to get up to speed. We, we've written that we think the choices are fine, mm-hmm. Mark Tolbert and um, Nathan Garrett, but, but um, you know, they're not going to be as seasoned as Mike Rader and Angela Wasson Hunt. Is that right or not right? You are very much correct. Uh, that's one of the concerns that Leland Sherwin had about why make the, make, why make the decision now, why make those choices now, uh, why not just replace one with the Brooks vacancy and then probably right. the two others after the new chief is on board. And, and we should be clear, it isn't as if there was some requirement that they be replaced. Their terms expired a long time, a long ago. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that you need to replace them now... <laughs> Uh, is really just a, a choice that's been made. It isn't some legal requirement that that uh, that they be replaced. And in fact, you can find some people angry at Governor Nixon for not having done this before. Eric Greitens, is that right? That or? is that's correct. Even with Alvin Brooks, Brooks replaced Jim Wilson, uh, who became ill. And I, if I'm not mistaken, Brooks was never actually reappointed. He wasn't. He was like, I think his term expired in like 2010 or something. Well, like yeah, that. I, I don't, yeah. He, it was he, a long time ago. He, he appointed He appointed him, and well, he appointed him, but he never got reappointed. Yeah. So yeah. he so just continued. Just, he just in limbo for all that time. I mean, for that's seven a ridiculous years. way to run a city department, isn't it? <laughs> that is, I mean, just, you know, let's it, be real. <laughs> it, it is rather unique, to yeah, say the least. I, well, it is unique, completely <laughs> unique. And we've written about that, of course, before that the police board structure in which the governor has a key role in how it's uh, administered is is unique in the country and weird and 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 not always in the best interest of Kansas Cityans. And again, we're not. We, I don't want to judge 
the people who've been named to replace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to new seats on the board. We don't know how they're going to do, but the whole concept of it, I think the weirdness of it has been pointed out over the last couple of weeks. And it's not going to be settled anytime soon, one assumes. I mean, one of the things we wrote about is you have the two lame duck members presumably involved in the search for a chief, but they may be ousted any day now. Yeah, I mean, right, if the, so, right, right. Uh, so, and then the new <laughs> members would have to come in with very little uh, experience. experience in how that's done. Uh, it just seems dysfunctional to me. Yeah. More dysfunctional than it needs to be. Yeah, then, yeah. And again, you still would only have a. a board of four members instead of the five. You have the mayor, right. Sherwin, and the two replacements. You know, you still have the Brooks vacancy that still has yet to be filled. So so that'll take some time, yeah, too. Yeah, and because Tolbert replaces uh, uh, Hunt. Right. Hunt one or the other. One, yeah. one or the other. So yeah, both, yeah. 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 And the board also has, beyond the chief, has some important decisions to make. You wrote it this week about the uh, Body camera. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. It, uh, I, I got the sense from your story that there is some interest in proceeding, but there is concern about the cost. There's concern about the cost and also a lot of legal questions. Uh, one thing that uh, some of the police officials have said that they're obviously going to move in this direction. The timing of it and is, is a matter of question or debate. I don't see that they won't do it. But one thing they've noticed that other departments that have had this, uh, they're now thinking, well, is this the right approach? And so what the police department here is doing is looking at, well, let's 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 kind of look at cities our size, look at how they've been successful, let's take their successes and then let's avoid their mistakes. Right. So the issue here is just storing all that data. Uh, they did a pilot study last June for 12 weeks where they gave 25 officers cameras and they recorded quite a bit of, of data. So now what do you do with it? You know, and then there's issues of redacting certain information, uh, certain footage. That's go through this whole legal process because of the state uh, open records laws. Right. So. But, but do, uh, broadly speaking, do you think <laughs> the officers want body cameras or not? Yes, they, because it serves as an, another set of eyes that more or less protects them against. You know, I remember when the when the cameras went in cars, there was some resistance to that. Mm-hmm. That was an Al, Al Brooks thing, by the way, and 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 uh, on the city council. But and but the rank and file seemed to resist the idea of of dash cams, mm-hmm. but came to like it a little yeah, bit right, because yeah. it became sort of a reinforcing yeah. thing for whenever there was a question about how they might have behaved in a particular circumstance. Yes, that is correct. I know other departments have them, other law enforcement agencies like Clay County, Gladstone, Roland Park, they have them. I did a ride-along with a uh, Clay County deputy. He says uh, he he loves it. You know, he tests things out, and, and uh, he says that, you know, it, it has exonerated him uh, in cases where he was been accused of doing something uh, right. unsavory. So Right, right. So you think it'll be at some point, but not necessarily sooner rather than later. They're going to, it's going to take some time for the body. Yeah, maybe at latest, maybe three years, because that's when the city's uh, one IT should be up and running. Yeah. They'll provide them the bandwidth for the storage. They're looking to store it in-house as opposed to having it stored in the cloud in, or something. In, in the cloud like that. Yeah. So, And whatever they do, the, ca- the body cameras will complement the dash cam. Uh, the issue that 
uh, I believe when Forte and I spoke about it quite some time ago, is that it only records uh, what the officer is facing. So if the officer turns their head, it doesn't record that. It doesn't, you know, look at right. The it's just where it's a body. Camera. Yeah, it's a body camera. So it's not, you know, in some in some in some cases, uh, is it may be mounted to a, a pair of glasses or a cap. It was, you know, so it's actually following your head. But right. again, there's all challenges. But something is probably, in many people's opinion, better than nothing. Yeah, we should also be clear, though, that the existence of video, whether on the dash or on the body, is not always helpful to juries. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I looked at the video today of the Minneapolis case, Mm -hmm. and, you know, with the the one, and it was the dash cam video, and the, you know, uh, people, you know, juries look at that kind of evidence and still seem reluctant to convict officers of, in almost every circumstance, when they use deadly force. Yeah, and I, I think in some laws, I, and I know Missouri, the, the the law gives officers specific leeway if they feel that their lives are being threatened. Right, right. And so some changes have been made maybe on the state but Maybe law. the efficacy of body cameras <laughs> is not on those kinds of cases necessarily, but they're important in sort of lower-level complaints, yes. brutality complaints yeah, or right. you know, mistreatment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does give some pretty good evidence to, you know, the Office of Citizens' Complaints yeah, or right. who else is looking into those things. So probably a good step by the police. Now, the, we, we also wrote this week about this Justice Department grant uh, for to take a broader look at some of the crime problems in Kansas City. And sort of as a wrap-up, Glenn, all of this is about public safety, of course. And there's a, you know, under Chief Forday, there was a dramatic dip in murders, and then it sort of peaked again. Mm-hmm. Do we have any sense as to why? What? What? I mean, I, you know, I've been writing about crime problems in Kansas City as long as I've been in Kansas City, which is probably far too long. But, but, it, it, it I mean, does another grant help us get closer to that, or is it just more money for more officers, and we'll see what we can do? I think it's not necessarily money per se. It's more technical assistance, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, so I think you have a, another fresh set of eyes examining what is being done in Kansas City. For example, programs like NOVA, uh, are they, is it yielding the results? Could it yield better results? And I, and I know that people who run NOVA would probably say yes. We can always can find ways to do things better. Right. Uh, however, people like Damon Daniel of Ad Hoc says that you can't arrest your way out of a problem like that. Right. That is much more deep down and you may have to start with kids in grade school, teaching right. them how with conflict resolution. You, cannot, you can't also spend your way out of the <coughs> no, problem. No, I mean, cannot. I think the police department, oh, if you just gave us more money and we had more officers, mm-hmm. but the police department spends a quarter of a billion dollars in Kansas City. That's, I think, 44% of the general fund is yeah. for policing. It's hard to see how additional money will be anything but incremental. Exactly. And I and what's, what's going on right now, there's a staffing study that's being done by the Which city. Which is delayed a little bit, isn't it? It's Del- a little later than we thought. Yeah, and I think there may be some preliminary works done. Uh, it's one thing, I think uh, it's going to tell us that there are a lot of officers who could be on the streets. And so responding to 911 calls by saturating those problem areas with more visibility of police, something that Zimmerman has said he wants to do right. immediately. Right. But I think the staffing study will show 
uh, obviously there's some duplication in services between the city which and which we've the, written about. Written about. Right. So uh, so so that will kind of bear some fruit regarding that. Uh, I mean, I think everybody would agree that if you get as many officers on the street as you can. Mm-hmm. And I think the pushback from the department all the time is that you need these back office civilians largely to do some of this stuff. Yeah, right. Yes. But the yeah. but the study may show us that maybe that isn't the best approach, or mm-hmm. we, we, do we know what what it, what the recommendations are going to be? Well, I I think it's probably just that that some of those back offices folks that may have jobs where they have take them cars, but. Yeah. They don't respond to nine one one calls. Need to be out on the street responding to those calls. At least right, right. part of their job should be re- requirement of that. There, you know, there's the, not going to be a lot of popularity for a no recommendation like that. Or, no. You know, all those guys that take their cars up north, they mm-hmm. just don't want to. <laughs> or out east. Or out east, <laughs> don't want to really do all those uh, respond to those calls. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as sort of a wrap up question, Glenn, as we head into the summer, first day of summer. Um, are we in pretty good shape with our police department in Kansas City? I mean, are, obviously there are a lot of challenges and change and things are going to be different six months from now. But I do think it's remarkable that we've at least so far avoided some of the violence between the police and the community that's common in other uh, cities. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a knock on wood statement. But it does suggest that maybe somebody's doing something right. Yes, without doubt. I think Forte laid the foundation for that by being very visible at all times. Uh, often you would, I would try to talk with him. He says, I'm going out to the city. I'm going to ride my bike just to see people, sometimes in his uniform, other times in his plain clothes. And so uh, anyone out there who responds to 911 calls, for them it is a calling. And it's not so much of a job. These guys are, and men and women are very dedicated, very committed to what they do. Uh, it's a very sure, difficult job. Very difficult job. Very, so I did ride-alongs, and you have to get into a mindset yeah. uh, when you put that uniform on, when you put that vest on, and you go out and you respond to calls. You can't, and you always have to have your antennas up, yeah. and it's not like you and I, we could, you know, it, you know, kind of take it easy for it, but them is 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 go is running and gunning. Excuse, right, right. excuse the term. And mistakes so. are highlighted and can be can be deadly, deadly and tragic. Yeah, so, Rice. All yes, right. Yeah. All right, Glenn Rice with the Star. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks great, for having great me. Great discussion. I enjoyed it. About an important part of the, our community, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Again, you've been listening to the Stars podcast. Uh, we invite your comments, criticisms. Tell your friends. Subscribe. Uh, We try to join you once a week to talk about stories we're working on, and um, we're always uh, willing and able to take your comments. So send them our way, and and again, we hope you enjoyed today's exchange. I'm Dave Helling of the Kansas City Stars Editorial Board, and you have been on Deep Background.